With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Happy Monday, everybody, and you know what Monday means. Monday means a new episode of the Wine Gold Talk podcast. I'm Hayden Grove, joined, as always, by my friend Chris Speedor. Chris, how was your Mother's Day weekend, my friend? Buddy, it was great. It was more normal than most weekends, so that was great. It was a time spent with family and friends and good food, good company, and it just felt a little bit more normal. It just felt good to get outside the house and have some kind of human interaction, even though um, you can't have the same level of human interaction that you're used to. So it was fantastic. How was yours? Good. Not too bad. Not too crazy in regards to, obviously, my parents are in Florida, so got to FaceTime my mom. Mm -hmm. um, but it was good. It was good. Um, I'm just happy. And as we were talking about earlier, I'm just happy that I didn't have to wait two and a half hours. For uh, Aladdin's or Cheesecake Factory or anything over here at Crocker. Um, <laughs> I mean, I would do it for my mom, of course. I would wait two and a half hours, but it, that just seems like an immense waste of time. Oh, that you my be, God. That you could be spending with your mother. <laughs> Buddy, I was, I was driving home from my brother-in-law's. He lives in Lakewood. And after going to visit him and spend time with him and the family... Um, we had a great lunch over there. Then we went to go see um, my wife's grandma, and she lives in Lakewood as well. And because she's so old, you know, she had a mask on, and she wanted us to have a porch party, essentially. So she opened the window um, of her sunroom. She peeked her head out, and we all hung out on the porch, you know, distant away from her. But still, um, we could have a conversation. We could have an interaction. And we're driving home around... Uh, I want to say close to six o'clock yeah. and we're driving on the highway towards our house in Bay village. And all of a sudden we drive past Outback on Sperry road and we see all these cars lined up, not moving. And I'm thinking initially, okay, maybe there's an accident on Sperry road. Maybe for some reason, people trying to get onto the highway from that um, area, it's just really, really backed up. And then I turned and I looked at Outback and the car side to go line was out on the Sperry Road coming both ways. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I couldn't imagine wanting to have a Mother's Day dinner with your family and being stuck in that line, having to wait for whatever it is that you had to order. I, I would have imagined, Hayden, that it was probably about two, three hours long just sitting there in that line. It's crazy. Yeah, 100 percent. And that's what, I, that's what I said. I would do it for my mom, but I don't know if I'd want, if, you know, if I actually would, like, if she wanted to, like, if she wanted some sort of food from Outback that bad, I would do it. But yeah, I mean, I would, I would, I, like, I would go home and then come back or something. I don't even know. But um, our Dave Campbell, who, you know, is our uh, sports editor, um, said that uh, he waited at Aladdin's for two and a half hours, but he made a good point that. These people, these restaurants probably should have been more prepared yeah. for the onslaught of people knowing that it's uh, Mother's Day. But also, it, but here's my thought. When I was when I was driving yesterday and I was looking at the cars and the lines, my first thought was like, do these men just not know how to cook? Like, <laughs> could, could, could they not just grill? Could they not just, yeah. you know, try to try to follow a recipe? I mean, it would save a lot of time. It, in most cases, the food would probably be hotter, more fresh. Mm -hmm. I mean, 
is it more that or was it more so just the novelty of, you know, because pro people probably haven't been ordering out as much, is it more the novelty of it for um, for a special day? Okay, so I can speak um, from experience about this, Hayden, because I have a story. Okay. Um, when it comes to Outback in particular, this this one I know for sure. Okay. A lot of these restaurants now, when it comes to takeout and car side to go, sure. they are doing specialized menus. They're smaller than what is usually offered because yeah. either they can't get certain things or maybe they feel like the things that they could cook wouldn't travel as well and the quality would suffer. Yep. So if you try and go to Outback or something like that and order lobster to go, you can't do that. If you right. try and order prime rib to go, you can't do that. So Outback specifically had a Mother's Day menu from May 6th until May 12th, where they were offering different things that they haven't been offering during this quarantine time. Okay. So I think maybe, possibly, people tried to take advantage of that. Now, in saying Got that, it. I tried to do that the other night. I was so excited. I have been craving prime rib for weeks and finally one of these restaurants offered it because it was part of the mother's day special so i tried to order it the other day i called them and they were completely sold out and i oh. was devastated oh. it ruined my night oh chris that's a sad tale do you ever get that though where you have a craving for something and you've made your mind up that that's the only thing that you're going to eat that's the only thing that sounds good and then if you can't get it, it's just like, you don't want to do anything. You don't want to eat anything. You don't want to cook anything. You just want to sulk because it's been robbed of you. Yes. I have a story about that too. So I think it was a couple weeks ago. There is a, there is a food truck over here in Bay Village, probably near you. It's called Smoke and Rock and Roll. Yep. It's owned by Billy Morris. They do barbecue. They have like a ice cream. It's, it's great. It's great, great, great. And they have different days. They'll have a Taco Tuesday. They'll have they have Wing Wednesday. They have like um, I think ribs are Thursday, and they have like a free for all Friday. And mm -hmm. and I love chicken wings. I'm I'm, I'm a huge chicken wing person. And um, I was I went to Wing Wednesday, and I knew like and I knew that okay, you know they they smoke the wings, and I love the smoked wings more than the fried wings. And I'm like so excited. I'm like man, I'm gonna support <laughs> Billy's. Like I'm gonna support Billy's small business and get it get the word out there. And I get there, and they're like, yeah, we sold out in 75 minutes. And I was just like, oh, ah, no. So I did end up, like, getting um, – I think I got pulled chicken. And then – but the next week, and probably this week, too, I'm, I'm like, going to get there. And, like, when they open at 4 o'clock to make sure <laughs> that I get the wings because they're first so good. One. Yeah, first one in love. Just, just to make sure that I'm not – that I don't have that feeling that you had um, and that feeling that I had in regards to uh, – missing out on that food man it's yeah it's unbelievable i i do have to say i appreciate so many people um for what they're doing right now when it comes to the restaurant scene and open and providing car side to go or providing some kind of takeout um because if if that wasn't available man it would make this so much harder it really would oh absolutely absolutely i mean yeah you got i, mean, I think you know i think there were probably people that were upset, you know, with everything going on yesterday with, with the lines and whatnot. Of course. But, but um, you know, I do have to tip my cap. Everybody's trying to get through this in, in some sort of a way. And it's just nothing's going to be perfect. Things aren't going to work out the way you intended them to. I think right. this is a really important time for us to just cut people a little bit of slack, give them a little bit of extra uh, slack to, you know, find their way through this time. So, yeah, I mean, I think the reality is, Hayden, the days of calling up a pizza company um, because you want a pizza in about 20 minutes or something, the way that you used to have it. Yeah. I think those days are over. You're going to have to wait a little bit longer. You're not going to have it at your beck and call. You're not going to be able to hop in your car and just drive and go get something. Yeah. Even a line for fast food is going to be longer than yeah. it usually is. Man, the line for Starbucks, the oh, Starbucks you, in Westlake yeah. is nuts nowadays. Yeah. And I get it because I understand how much people want their Starbucks, but like the sense of what it used to be and what you were used to, like that, that can't be anymore. Not, not until, I don't know, a couple more months at least when it goes back to that, that. Form. Yeah. I mean, 
obviously because I live over here, I drive, I see that Starbucks line all the time. And I'm, oh. every time I'm just like, no way am I going to wait this <laughs> line. I mean, I, because I don't drink like the, I just drink coffee. Like you probably plain, like just black coffee with either a little cream and maybe sometimes Splenda, but. Yeah, so, so I'm not going to do that on your own. Exactly. I have a cure. I I got a Keurig for my birthday, so I'm I'm not waiting in that line. But that that line at Starbucks is absolutely insane. Yeah. And there, I mean, on ta- on Cinco de Mayo and Taco Tuesday, oh. the Condado like ran out of food. I felt so <laughs> bad. They 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 literally were like, we just we know it's not acceptable, but we don't have any food left to give you. Yeah, I mean, at some point, these places are going to be completely overwhelmed. It's just the reality. Yeah, actually, a mutual friend of ours who works within the Cavaliers, I'll, I'll leave her name out of it, but she was saying that she waited two and a half hours for uh, for Condado the other day on Taco Tuesday. So oh lot, you know who I'm talking about. It's a I lot do. Of, yeah, that's a lot of, uh, sheesh, just a lot of waiting for tacos. I mean, I love tacos. I love Taco Tuesday. I love Cinco de Mayo, but. And I did get my tacos, but that out of two and a half hours, man, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think tacos are work. one of those things, not to say that I can make them as good as Condado and um, Chipotle and some of these other places, but I feel like they're satisfying enough if, if we cook them at home oh, yeah. um, versus going out to a restaurant and getting them. You might just not have like the special sauce or like Right, that. or the guacamole or yeah, something like guac- that. Yeah. I don't know. We could talk about this all day because it is a very interesting topic to me, just the amount, you know, the, the, the restaurant industry. And obviously it'll be very interesting to see what happens when um, outdoor patios reopen on this Friday. Are you going to go? Like, like, that's the thing that I was wondering. Are you just going to go like it's normal? I'm going to go sit down in a restaurant because it's open and available to me. I've thought a lot about this and you know, I'm I'm probably gonna stick to Crocker just because like I live here and like I don't know, I don't I mean I walk around here enough anyway to where it's like if there's stuff in the air, so I, I would go on a patio. Yeah, I mean if okay. it's a nice if it's a nice day and like I'm off and you know the patio is open, I'll do that around here. But I don't know if I would go venture out that many different places elsewhere. Gotcha. You know? Yeah. I was thinking about this the other day, too. I think I'm probably going to be a lot of takeout early in the process and let the first wave of people that really, really want to go into a restaurant and sit down in a restaurant and maybe not adhere to the kind of policies that you would want them to. um, I'm going to let them go first, kind of get that out of their system, and I'll continue to order takeout from those local restaurants and whatnot. But going to sit into a restaurant and giving up some level of control about who I interact with, who I come in contact with, um, I'm probably not comfortable enough to do that at this point. Yeah, and I think that's very fair. You know, I think that's absolutely, I mean, everybody can essentially do what they want to do. It's your life, you're, you know, right. If it's open, you're allowed to do what you want to do. But uh, I kind of agree with you that I'm going to, I don't know, I don't know. It's going to be so interesting. I just hope. Again, I hope that we do this responsibly, and I hope that this thing works out for the best, because I know we all want to get back to some mm-hmm. sense of normalcy, that's for sure. And speaking of reopening, Chris, we do have to get to this, because this is the Wine and Gold Talk podcast, after all. And this week, this past week, uh, NBA Summit Select NBA facilities reopened, including the Cavaliers uh, facility over in Independence, and you wrote a report um, about the players that some of the players that uh, were there and, you you know, you discussed. So tell us a little bit about how it went down, who was there and um, what the feelings are in regards to the reopening of the uh, Cavs facility specifically over there in Independence. So, Hayden, this is interesting because the Cavs, like other teams around the NBA, did not take this lightly. They had so many different conversations internally, externally, with Governor Mike DeWine's office, with um, the health department, with um, medical professionals, with the Cleveland Clinic. They wanted to make sure that they provided a safe and healthy environment for these guys. And I was talking to a source um, on Wednesday, two days before they decided um, to open up the, the doors officially. And they were saying that on the on the call that they had with the players, 
they were very, very strict about this is what's going to happen. And if you don't do this properly, you're not going to be allowed in the building. So they were very, very clear in terms of the strict guidelines. And they have to be strict because you can't have um, what these players are used to. It's just it's just not possible at this point in time with where we are in in this country and where we are with this virus. Um, but I think the Cavs specifically, Hayden, wanted to create this environment because they felt from a mental standpoint, players needed it. And on top of that, there's a growing belief around the NBA that guys are finding gyms that they shouldn't be in that aren't as safe and aren't as controlled. And they're just going to work out in there because they need to work out and because they need to shoot hoops. And I think all the teams around the NBA, including the Cavs, wanted to prevent that. Said, okay, we have a facility here. We can clean it. We can disinfect it. We can have our coaches there. Um, We can make it as safe as possible. And we can um, enforce these guidelines in a way that some of these other gyms around the country maybe can't. And and I think that's why the Cavs and the NBA kind of went down this road um, because they understand that these guys need this work and they need to stay in shape and they need it for their mental health because basketball is what they're used to. Basketball is usually their escape. So they ask the question, how do we do it in a way that can keep them healthy, safe and protected? And is there a way to do that? And they determined that with all of these strict guidelines, yes, there is a way to do it. And the players that I talked to, they were really, really appreciative of the Cavs. And they were really, really happy to learn that the practice facility was reopening on Friday um, because they felt like it was time. So, Chris, do you have any, you know, update in regards to how many players have, um, have been at the facility and how many, you know, we talked a little bit about before the podcast about, you know, people, players coming in from out of state. Mm-hmm. What, are, what are the updates in that regard? So from what I know, Hayden, eight or nine players on the current roster stayed in the market um, when all of this shutdown happened. Okay. So that means about half of the roster um, went out of market. Colin Sexton went home to Atlanta. Andre Drummond went to Miami to record music. Tristan Thompson went to his home in Los Angeles, and he has um, a hoop and a gym there. So he's been able to work in a way that other guys haven't been. Sure. Um, so eight of no, eight or nine um, stayed in market. And there was a the first group on Friday was a group of four. It was Kevin Love, Larry Nance Jr., Jetty Osman, and Ante Zizic. And I know for a fact that there was a second group scheduled. And there's, by the NBA's rules, there's only four uh, players allowed in the gym at the same time. And that's how the Cavs kind of separated it out into two groups. But I don't think all eight um, were there on Friday. My understanding is it was about six different players that were there. The four that we know of that we've reported on and two others. Um, And I don't know who those names are. And I don't expect the other guys from outside the market to hurry back to Cleveland because Cleveland Clinic Courts is open. Because if they do that, hey, and they're going to have to sit in quarantine for 10 to 14 days um, and they're not going to be able to go anywhere. So I think they're just going to stay where they are, um, continue to train the way that they've been training, um, trying to have access to the things that they've had access to. Because traveling back to Cleveland and sitting in quarantine for 10 to 14 days probably isn't very appealing to any of these guys that are outside the market right now. Yeah, I would say no. I would say probably not. Um, especially if some of the, you know, as you mentioned, guys with, you know, their own work, you know, facilities and good stuff out there in California. I mean, that's that sounds a little bit better than uh, staying quarantined here in um in Cleveland, but I mean, shoot, uh, it was the first time. See, we, we look at this and I was talking to one of the players about this, Hayden. We look at this and say, okay, they're NBA players, right? So they have a basketball hoop in their driveway or they have a basketball hoop in their house somehow, some way. We just think that. Yeah. But it is a small number of guys that have access to that these days. And Tristan Thompson is very lucky to be in the situation that he's in. 
where he has that on his grounds, so he can take advantage of that. But Larry Nance Jr., for example, the last time he shot a basketball before Friday into an actual hoop, Hayden, it was the game against the Chicago Bulls on March 10th. Wow. Think about that. That's crazy. Right, because not all of these guys can go find a hoop and start shooting. Part of the reason why Colin Sexton went back home to Atlanta, yeah, his family was there and he wanted to be close to his family and to his girlfriend, but he has a basketball hoop in his driveway, his parents do, at their house. So he wanted access to a basketball hoop. And he didn't have one here in Cleveland. You know, some of these guys live in apartments downtown. They can't go to the gym inside the apartment. They can't go anywhere and shoot a basketball. So they're laying on their couch, flicking a ball up in the air to try and get the feel for that and the rotation of that and stuff like that. So it's it's just a really, really odd time. Yeah, I, I certainly. I mean, it's this probably a situation where this is the longest stretch of their lives. Not even. Oh, just, yeah. I mean, not even just like, you know, their careers, their lives that they haven't been able to, you know, play basketball or shoot, you know, the way that they normally would. It's it's kind of crazy to me. And but again, we're living in crazy times. We are. And that's the reality of what these guys have been dealing with. So if you think about that and you think about a practice facility opening, even with the restrictions that are in place and they're strict, right, they have to answer all these questions um there's a side entrance nowadays um so that they can limit the the access points to get in get out of the facility so all these guys have to go through a side entrance they have to answer these questions about who they've been around how they're feeling what they've been up to and then they have to have their temperature taken um they have to wear a mask upon entrance the only time they can take the mask off is if they're actually doing physical activity on the court They've got one guy, one hoop, one assistant coach in a half-court setting. So it's really limited in terms of what's available to them. And I think people around the NBA recognize that. But even with those limitations, it's still an exciting step. It's still something that these guys need, and it's making them feel better. Um, I talked to Larry Ninch Jr. via text after it, and he said it was great. He said it was weird because of the situation, but he said it was just great to get out there on the court and fire up some shots. And he, he said a funny line to me. He said, even if I um, could only shoot off of one foot with one eye closed at 4 a.m. in a gym by myself, I would be there because that's yeah. how much I was missing it. Yeah. I mean, this is their lives. This is their livelihood. And I'm sure that that, that first step is, is, you know, probably felt so good to be kind of back and, at a point to where things felt like for a minute at least, or at some point during the workout, it felt a little bit normal. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's incredible. It's, it's gotta be a crazy feeling. Um, anybody else that you talk to, like any, any kind of weird things or any kind of bad things or mostly just positive, um, positive feedback from, from everything that the Cavs were doing to get those facilities or get their facility back up in order. So I talked to multiple players and they all use the term weird because I think yeah. they had to um, do things in a different kind of way. Like, listen, hey, they're they're used to going in there, having their shoes laid out for them, having clothes laid out for them, just calling on the equipment managers saying, hey, get me this pair of socks. Right. Hey, get me this pair of shorts. Get me this pair of shoes. And then after the workout, they're used to just going into the locker room and showering, maybe hot cold tub all that kind of stuff. They don't have access to that anymore. There are three places that are open currently in the practice facility, I'm told. It's it's the, the basketball courts themselves, it's uh, the trainer's room, and it's the weight room. So it is very, very different from what they're used to. So from that standpoint, it's absolutely weird. I think that's the right term to use. And you've got these coaches that are wearing gloves and masks, Um and you're shouting across the way to talk to Jetty Osman, or if you're on Tazizic, you're shouting across the way to talk to Larry Nance Jr. So I think weird makes sense, and I think it's probably going to be weird for a long time. But in saying that, they all said that it was beneficial, and it's something that they needed. So if you have to deal with weird and different for a while, I think they would more than be willing to do that. And and from what I was told... Um, all of the players, both in market 
out of market. All of them that were told that, hey, the practice facility is open. You can use it. You don't have to. Um, this is up to you. Um, we're not forcing you to do this. This isn't a team mandate. This is voluntary. Um, all of the players on those calls with the training staff and with general manager Kobe Altman said that they were into it, said that they would be willing to use the facility if it was open. So nobody said, hey, it's too dangerous. Nobody said, hey, I won't feel safe enough. Some guys aren't going to use it because they're out of market. Obviously, that's just the reality of it. But nobody said, hey, this is a bad idea. You shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, I mean, it all makes sense. Um, uh, there are certainly opinions on the contrary. I think I read that Mark Cuban was kind of mm-hmm. weighing, um, you know, I think his, his, his point and maybe – maybe a, a point that could be made is, is the juice worth the squeeze? But you mentioned, I mean, this is a big step, not maybe not so much physically for these guys. I mean, yes. I mean, some of these guys probably getting back out of the court is helping them physically with, you know, feeling the game again and getting back to the point where they can get in shape. But I think it's more of a mental, mm-hmm. mental health thing. And, you know, obviously the Cavaliers specifically, one of the teams probably most in touch with, um, with mental health, just because of the work that Kevin Love has done, and, and him being one of the first, you know, people to come out and um, kind of try to end the stigma of mental illness. So the Cavaliers certainly, prob- certainly, it seems as though they did that for that reason, more so than necessarily taking a closer step to five on five. And not to mention, Hayden, the Cavs have always had a great resource in terms of the Cleveland Clinic in what they have access to and the kind of doctors that they have access to talk to at any time. Um, So getting the information from them and then laying out um, a a certain way that everybody is comfortable with them reopening was a big, big part of this entire process. I mean, they thought about everything. There are two basketballs per player. They have the number on them. So Larry Nance Jr.'s ball that he used on Friday is going to be his ball the rest of the time. Nobody else is going to use it. It's wiped off and cleaned. Um, I reported that these workouts are going to take place Monday through Thursday. Friday is going to be a scheduled off day. um, And they're going to have an outside cleaning company come in to clean the entire place, disinfect it. Um, They're going to do that every day regardless and after every session regardless, but a full sweeping huge clean on Friday so that it can be ready for the next week. I mean, everything that you would think um, that they have thought about, they have thought about. (laughs) Even some things that you wouldn't even think of on your own, they thought about. And they made it as detailed and organized as possible and as safe as possible for these guys to return to the practice facility. And I think the Cavs feel really, really good about the steps that they took and the protocols that are in place. I guess the, re- I guess the only question, um, and obviously it's like, you know, like I said, it's a good thing for them to be doing that or for them to be back and for them to be able to find a really safe way to do this. But I guess the only question is what is the, you know, are they going to, be doing this for how long are they going to be doing this? Is this going to be to the point where they don't have a season? I mean, there's so much still up in the air and obviously they'll do this in the meantime to where the facility is open and to where they can get their workouts in and and they can do it safely. But what is the, you know, they don't, I, I don't think any of us know what their goal ultimate is is it working out for a return to basketball this season is it working out for a return to basketball next season I mean we're still kind of very much up in the air and all that yeah I mean every sense that I get Hayden is that if there's a way to do it safely respectfully responsibly returning to the court this year is the goal yeah um I just don't think the the NBA is in any rush to make that decision. You know, so many people look at the calendar and they say, well, it's May already. Um, the the season with the finals should be ending in June sometime. And then what's going to happen with this, 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 and this. And it's like, everything is an 18 month view at this point. Yeah. There's a recognition, I think, when it comes to everybody involved that next season's going to be affected one way or the other, whether it be pushed back or shortened. Um, 
And I think looking at it that way is the smart, logical way to do it. And because of that, I don't think the NBA is saying, well, it's May 11th. We need to have a decision made on what's going to happen, what's not going to happen by June 1st. Or we need to have a decision to make um, by July 1st or August 1st. There's just no date like that where they feel like something has to be figured out. So I think the NBA is trying to be patient with this and, and take all of the information at their disposal, see what changes, what doesn't change. And the other thing, Hayden, I think the league is really, really paying attention to what Bundesliga looks like, what yep. the Premier League looks like, um, how Major League Baseball is going to go about it with the plan that that they approved, the owners approved um, for uh, for the Players Association to kind of look at and, and what that looks like. So the NBA is paying attention to everything um, before they really make a rash decision, um, one that they may end up regretting. Yeah, it looks like Major League Baseball is at least going to be the first to try to get back try. to normal. To emphasis try. on yeah. try. And big emphasis on try, absolutely, because um, you know the MLB owners have approved the plan, but now it goes to the players' union, and that you know that could be a very different conversation because the players, <laughs> there's money involved, and there's all kinds of different stipulations, and there's safety involved, and there's uh, so many different things. So um, certainly... Very, very, very interesting times, um, and it's probably great that the that the NBA can kind of take their time, um, and I guess Major League Baseball too could take its time. I don't know, you know. I, I guess they just feel that it could have like they. I don't know why they feel the need to do this so quickly, but I guess if they feel this is enough time, then it's enough time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. This is a. Very, very interesting time. Um, but I do want to move on, Chris, because uh, we do have some questions to get to. And speaking of questions, you can send in questions to the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. How do you do it? Well, that is through subtext. And subtext, if you don't know how it works, uh, Chris will text you two to three times a day, giving you the inside scoop and analysis on the calves, what he's hearing, give you the inside word uh, before things happen. He's going to be talking about, obviously, all the updates in regards to the Cavs facility and things like that. Um, And if there is big breaking news, he will text you first before it's up on Cleveland.com. You can also text him directly. You can cut through the clutter of Facebook, Twitter, and other social media. It's the only way, the only way to get your questions to us on the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. So you can sign up 14-day free trial. You can cancel any time. All it takes is a single text. You're not going to want to cancel People who have signed up love it and have stayed with it. Only $3.99 a month, less than $0.14 cents a day, less than that cup of coffee that you're going to wait two and a half hours for at Starbucks. Um, it's a perfect time to join as the NBA begins this process to resume. And again, to sign up, go to sub, joinsubtext.com slash Insider. One more time, that is joinsubtext.com slash Insider. Or even better yet, you can text Chris at 216-208-4499. One more time, 216-208-4499. So $3.99 a month, you get all of your Cavaliers and NBA breaking news and analysis right to your phone uh, from Chris. And like like I said earlier, that is the only way to get your questions into the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. And speaking of which, we do have a couple of questions that I want to get to for you, Chris. Mm-hmm. So... Um, See, these are already individuals that have signed up for subtext, and these are already people that have um, obviously taken advantage of uh, the great stuff that you're putting out there. So first question, and you wrote about this um, last week in regards, and we have talked about this on the podcast uh, before in regards to Brock Aller, uh, who is heading to the New York Knicks. Chris wrote an article that you can check out on Cleveland.com slash Cavs. Um, Chris, are the Cavaliers planning on hiring a salary cap expert after the after the departure of Brock Aller. So that is the question to you, Chris. Yeah, Hayden, I have no indication that that's going to be the case. Um, all indications that I have in talking to a number of different people, um, the Cavs feel really good about their internal options to replace Brock. Um, and I think it's going to be a reshuffling of responsibility. Um, and I think... They're just going to give more responsibility to certain guys throughout the organization. And one name that I've 
brought up in, in my writing over the last couple of weeks is John Nichols, who basically heads up the Cavs um, front office analytics department. He has also been working at the right hand of Brock Aller um, in terms of developing strategy for the organization, in terms of working on contracts with the organization. He's been doing that uh, for the last couple of years. So I think they're just going to merge the responsibilities that he already had in terms of analytics and then give him more responsibility when it comes to the salary cap, when it comes to contract negotiations um, and things along those lines. And they feel really good about the front office depth that they have built, that they felt comfortable enough um, with the internal options to just proceed forward even though Brock is a big loss and, and he does things at a high level and there's a reason why the New York Knicks wanted him. There's a reason why Leon Rose made Brock his first call and Dan Gilbert has called Brock the one of the top salary cap guys in the entire world. Like They're obviously going to miss him, um, but the Cavs feel really good about the front office depth and they feel like they can sustain this. Yeah, so if you want to hear or find out a little bit more about Brock Holler and the situation uh, regarding him and the Knicks, you can go to cleveland.com slash Cavs. Chris wrote an article about everything you need to know about the decision and uh, what's going to happen with the Cavaliers moving forward. All right, another question from Subtext. And again, that is the only way to get your questions into the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. $3.99 a month, and you can get the questions in. Uh, this one is more of a... Um, kind of a your opinion Chris who are your top guys uh that you would like the Cavaliers to look at in free agency okay so I think it's important to note Hayden that um the Cavs aren't going to have a lot of money in free Correct. agency we, we have oh. discussed that yes yeah. Andre Drummond's going to pick up his player option and he's but going if to you're take, new here if you're yes. new here <laughs> he's going to pick up his player option and he's going to take up the bulk of the salary cap um that the Cavs were expected to have in terms of space to sign free agents. And they're completely fine with that. And they knew that when they traded for him and they thought to themselves, all right, there's no better way for us to spend in free agency than on somebody, the caliber of Andre Drummond by him opting into his contract. That's where our free agency money goes in saying that they're going to have the mid-level exception, which is going to be a competitive market because that's the way that um, high salary number teams um, are going to be able to spend in free agency. So that means the Cavs are going to be competing with playoff-type teams with the same level of money. And I think it's going to be about $9, $10 million, something like that. It could change when the salary cap changes and when the NBA figures out how much coronavirus pandemic um, is going to impact the revenue and the salary cap, the projected numbers anyway. So I, I, I just think... If, if you're looking at a list of top free agents, Hayden, whether it's the top 50 or 100, you should rip that up and you should throw it in the garbage because the Cavs just are not going to be able to be competitive with those yeah. guys. They, they won't have enough money for like Joe Harris or something yeah. like that. They won't. They probably won't have enough money for Dario Saric. Um, Cavalier so you, legend Joe Harris. Yes. And he would be a great fit in this organization because he yep. brings an element that they absolutely need. A guy who shooting. doesn't, I mean, shooting, but he doesn't need to do it himself. You right. know what I mean? Like he can play off of all these other guys and he can give them that, that floor spacing and that outside shooting. Um, so he would be a great fit, but, but I just don't think they're going to have the money for him. I think his price tag is going to be north of what they can offer. Um, so I think when it comes to free agents, you just have to look at like that next wave of guys like that haven't played their best basketball yet and just kind of hope and, and they all have risk attached to them. Um, but there's also upside as well. And I'll give some examples. Right. So Josh Jackson is the former fourth overall pick of the NBA draft. Uh, didn't work out in Phoenix latched on with Memphis, played in the G League with Memphis, then kind of got a crack at the end of the season with the NBA team. Like, that's the kind of move that the Cavs would have to go for, a lesser-known commodity that would accept their mid-level exception 
versus a contender's mid-level exception. Maybe it's somebody like Michael Carter-Williams. Maybe it's somebody like Derek Jones Jr. of the Miami Heat. If their best basketball has been played, chances are the Cavs are not going to be competitive for that guy. Um, They have to look at lesser-known guys that are still ascending, that maybe coming to this situation um, with a bigger role is going to give them more freedom to blossom here. All right, moving on to the next. And I know, oh, and I know, based on your reaction right there, that that's not very exciting, and that's not necessarily what Cavs fans want. But it's kind well, of the reality. Yeah, I mean, it's it's something that we've discussed a lot in regards to the you know the the lack of ability for them to grab a free agent. And again, it, it makes sense the reasons that you said, and and the, that you're right. That's the kind of player they're going to be trying to look for is kind of lightning in a bottle. It reminds me a little bit of kind of what the Indians do. Uh, towards the end, because normally they're not bringing in a big, big free agent, um, and they're kind of, you know, finding guys on lesser deals, or you know, maybe even veteran guys who are looking for one more kind of chance, or you know, old players that are trying to make a comeback, or young guys that don't, you know, that haven't really had their moment yet. I mean, it's just a bunch of. It, that's what it reminds me of. Yeah, and on top of that, Cleveland's not a destination market. Right. I mean, beyond LeBron James, the biggest free agent that they ever acquired was what? Larry Hughes? Larry Hughes is up there for sure. Uh, trying to think. Yeah, I mean, that's about Mo Williams, I guess you could say. That's, mm. That was about as much help as LeBron got that first time around. So, yeah, that's, yeah, you're right. Exactly I, mean, I just right. don't think too many people are dying, one, to go to Cleveland. No offense to Cleveland. I love it. But one, to go to Cleveland, and two, join the second-worst team in the NBA. Yeah, I think that's part of it, too. You know, if the Cavaliers were a really exciting spot with, you know, with a guy like LeBron, you, you could probably you know, look at the veterans on, the, on a vet minimum or something like that, but that's not where the Cavaliers are. Right, but or if they were considered um, – by other people's standards, a team on the rise, like yeah. that next team, maybe the Memphis Grizzlies, an exciting Atlanta Hawks, that kind of excitement, maybe possibly, um, but I don't think they're viewed that way. No, I, I, I kind of agree. It's a, I think they're viewed as more of a mystery than anything. Like, can are they going to just continue to be bottom feeders, or is somebody going to take a step up? And we've we've talked about that a lot. Um, I do want to move on, though, because we are running out of time. Uh, let's see. So the, the final question here uh, via subtext. Again, that is the only way to get your questions into the Wine and Gold Talk podcast is through subtext. Um, who, uh, what is the organization's opinion on the draft? What type of player are they looking for? And or would they trade down for more future assets in later drafts? Um. So I talked to somebody in the organization earlier today about the draft overall, and their response was, it's all over the place. Yeah. So I think the Cavs view this draft the same way that so many other people do. It's crapshoot. It's more of a crapshoot than it usually is. There's no John Morant. There's no Zion Williamson. There's probably no R.J. Barrett in this thing who went third overall in last year's draft. Um So as much as it's difficult for teams when it comes to the draft and projecting guys from college to the pros or internationally to the pros, it's even more difficult this year because a lot of the top guys have significant questions. LaMelo Ball is considered maybe the number one prospect. He played in Australia, so you wonder about the level of competition, and he hurt his foot. So you don't have a huge sample size of him even playing against that competition. James Wiseman played three games. Um, Anthony Edwards was up and down at Georgia, and he played on one of the worst teams in the SEC. Um, Aaron Neesmith broke his foot for Vanderbilt, and he's probably borderline lottery type guy. So you just, Isaac Okoro is really, really talented, kind of, um, known more for his defense than his offense. He can't really shoot. Denny Avdia, um, he's been playing overseas professionally, but there are questions about his shot. So each time you start to feel comfortable with one of these guys, Hayden, you ask another question about them. Yeah. And I think Cavs are looking at it saying, we're going to swing for the fences here. I honestly believe that's the situation that they're in. And if they're in the top three, 
I think they would take one of those talented players, either Anthony Edwards, um, LaMelo Ball, or James Wiseman, and just bank on the talent, even though there's a lot of downside to those guys. If they're out of position and they can't get one of them, then I think they'd probably take somebody that they feel is a little bit more safe, somebody that they can plug into their rotation and feel good about, even if that that guy doesn't have all-star potential necessarily, you feel somewhat comfortable that you know what you're going to get from him. So I think which direction they go is going to depend a lot on where they're drafting. Um, The other problem with this draft, Hayden, and we've talked about this, the things that they need, the position that they need to fill most, right there out on the wing, those guys are in the 10 to 14 range. They're, they're not in the one to six range, which is where the Cavs are going to be drafted. So now you ask yourself, okay, maybe could they trade back? And then you have to go into, well, you have to find a team that's willing to move up. And which player would a team want to move up for in this particular draft? So I, I guess I'm just going to lean on what, what the guy inside the organization told me today. It's all over the place. It still is at this point. And I don't know that there's going to be more clarity um, even when we get more information on when the draft is going to be, when the draft lottery is going to be, how some of the tr- pre-draft process is going to go. I just think all the way up until draft night, whenever that is, Hayden, it is going to be a very, very unclear draft. I completely agree. I think the only thing that's clear is that they can do it. The NFL did a nice job, in my opinion, with, with the draft. Um, you know, everything kind of went smoothly. No real big hiccups. Although... We could get it. We could talk about this for hours. It's just it, it's it is insanely too long. The NFL draft, just the most ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, because you know, I I you know, I'm I'm doing stuff on social for it, and I'm like you know trying to get ready and waiting around and doing Facebook Live. It's just like you wait you wait for so long for nothing. Anyway, that's a conversation for another day. The NBA <laughs> draft really doesn't have that problem. They kind of do a nice job because it's only kind of one night. But yeah. I think you're exactly right. I did see, however, I did see a video. Now we did. We have talked about the, you know, the draft prospects, and maybe it was just, maybe it was just the the size of the guy that he was going up against. But I saw a video of James Wiseman the other day, and I was just like, oh my god, if that guy can, if if, if he can rise up and be what you know everybody thought, like goodness gracious, is he big and athletic and just? You know, obviously, there are a lot of holes, but certainly. He's, he is something to look at, if nothing else. Yeah, I mean, he's really, really athletic. He's a highlight reel waiting to happen. Um, but he also just dunked and layuped his way to all of his production Correct. in his three games at Memphis. So you wonder, okay, how is that going to translate? Um, can we improve those elements of his offensive game where he can live up to the status of a top five pick, things like that? So... Yeah, you're right. The intrigue is there. The upside is obvious. And so is the downside. So that's where we are with this particular draft. You know, there was one thing that you knew about last year's draft is that, okay, so you didn't know what position Zion was going to play. And um, you had questions about his weight. But you never looked at it and said, okay, that guy, of, of all the scenarios that could play out, one of the scenarios is complete bust. I don't think anybody said that, right? Like, yeah. you can say that about a lot of these guys this year, and that's what makes it so scary because it's such a big investment for any organization, especially a team like the Cavs that are going to have a top six pick. Yeah, I mean, it does remind, like I said, it reminds you of the Anthony Bennett draft. And it really does. And that's not a good thing for Cavaliers fans <laughs> And all things considered, Hayden, it's hard to like fault the Cavs process from that standpoint. If you go all the way back to 2013, because they were like, you know what, believe it, we're just going to swing for the fences and we're going to go for tools and athleticism and upside. And it backfired completely. (laughs) Yeah. But their process was very, very similar. And I think the Cavs are going to take that same view of this particular draft. Yeah, it'll be interesting to to see when they do the draft and where the Cavaliers land. And, and I mean, is <laughs> that's a, we were talking about when they're going to play basketball again. I mean, would they continue? Would they do the draft before they started playing again? I don't think so. I don't yeah, think they can. 
Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that could be a while. That could very, very, very much be into the winter even. Oh, yeah, because there's the element of, of the draft that, that I don't think executives are willing to lose at this point is being able to trade players on draft night. Um, and if a season is still going on, you can't do that. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's tough. It's a whole tough situation. All right, but thanks for the questions, guys. Like we said, subtext is the only way to get your questions into the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. Again, uh, we'll be you know, giving you updates on how you can join up and how you can sign up for uh, subtext with Chris, with me. Uh, but like I said, only way to get your questions on to the podcast. Chris, I don't think this episode would be complete if we didn't talk a little bit about the last dance episode Ooh. last night. We don't have to get into it too, too much, but um, the con- it continues to wow. It continues to entertain us every Sunday night. I cannot believe that there are only two episodes left after we've been waiting you know, so long, and I, I think it's lived up to expectations. Oh, without a doubt. I thought the last two episodes were the best ones yet. Oh, I agree. That moment at the end of episode seven, where he basically said break time, because he was getting into the way that he was perceived and and whether he was a bad teammate and whether he was too hard on guys and the commitment that he had to winning and, and trying to instill that in everybody else, you could see the emotion. Oh, absolutely. He was like ready to, <laughs> he was ready to pop off in one way or another. He's like, I didn't, I didn't have to do this. <laughs> it's yep. pretty much what he said. I didn't have to do this. Um, but, it, but it does, it kind of, him saying that, I was just kind of like, okay, but then why, you know, why did you? And he did say why, but I don't know if that completely answers it for me. Like now the the debate that I've been seeing on social media today is more so like, you know, what, does it matter that Michael was a, you know, a brawl? I don't know if I'm allowed to say the A word, but the, was he an A-hole to his teammates? And did that really make them better? And mm-hmm. there was a report about Horace Grant not being able to eat after bad games or something. Like, you know, it, what is that worth being, you know, the ultimate six-time champion? And, and right. is that worth that, um, the way you're, you're perceived? And I think he would say for him it was, right? Oh, for absolutely. He is, 100%. He didn't care. Right, but but I don't know that everybody would have felt the same about it, which is right. why I think it was such a fascinating episode yeah. last night. And, and it's one of those that is going to drive a different conversation. Um, I don't think there's been anything revelatory throughout the course of this, but, but that's okay. And, and I think that's what makes it so good even though you knew a lot of this stuff and you're not learning a ton of new information, you're still talking about it and it's still reaching you on an emotional level, especially last night's episode. The other thing that struck me, Hayden, was just how at peace he was with the decision to retire the first time and play baseball. He looked downright happy at that press conference talking about leaving basketball. Yeah, he did. Absolutely. And he apparently from what I think it was his friend or, Somebody said that like he was saying that months in advance, like or not like did he say a year? Like he told him that he was going to quit mm-hmm. and play baseball, right? Yep. Yeah, I mean, uh, hey, I think LeBron, I think LeBron's been there. Maybe not to the baseball point, but I remember with the you know taking the sabbatical after he came back to Cleveland and he kind of took a little vacation. I mean, I'm sure that he's been there, and it takes a lot to kind of recharge, and you know maybe if. Le- People have also been <laughs> saying on, on uh, social media today, you know, Michael quit and went and played baseball. Could LeBron have quit and gone to play for, <laughs> tight end for the Browns? I think Kendrick Perkins tweeted that. I think he could have. I absolutely think he could have. Oh, yeah. I if, mean, if Terrell Pryor can have a thousand yard season after, you know, basically just turning into a wide receiver in one year, I have no doubt LeBron James could have played tight end for, or even wide receiver for the Browns. If I remember this right, LeBron was one of the best football players in the entire state. Correct. Yes, he was. Absolutely. So if, if he dedicated himself, if he put in the same kind of time, and you know that that's how LeBron is wired. Yeah. That if exactly. he sets his mind to something, he's going to put himself in position to be in the best shape possible, physically and mentally, 
to try yeah. and attack that next um, whatever the goal is that he sets for himself. So I, I don't put anything past LeBron. I, I never will put anything past LeBron. Playing to 40 at this level, I'm not putting past LeBron. Because every time you say he can't, oh, okay, good luck. I'll put one thing past LeBron. What? His ability to to hide his hairline. <laughs> I think that's the one thing that he kind of struggles with. <laughs> if there was anything to, that he struggles with, that's it. Wasn't it Barkley? He's gone back and forth between like, okay, he's got like the nice hairline, and then all of a sudden it's kind of like all over the place. That's the one thing I think he would admit that he struggles with. Wasn't it Barkley a number of years ago that was like, you know, God gave LeBron everything in terms of like physical tools yeah. to be the best basketball player ever, except for the hairline or something yeah, like that. Something like that. Yeah. It's, I mean, obviously it's such a small thing, but it's just kind of funny because it is the only real like physical kind of weakness that you can see from the best basketball player on the planet right now. Yes, it's the one thing that the people on Twitter will will pick at over and over and over again relentlessly. And it's funny because it's really not like a huge deal. I mean, you know, how many of us are ball or... Well, I'm (laughs) I'm certainly lucky that I I have a lot of hair, as we know, but yeah, you're you're blessed in that department. I, I am blessed in that department. Maybe I'll lend some to LeBron someday. We can do a hair transplant. He can pay me a lot of money. All right, Chris. Um, we will get back to this podcast uh, maybe later this week. I don't know. We'll have to talk about that. We will certainly do it next Monday. We are also going to look. We're looking to make some not changes, some upgrades. We're looking for maybe a little theme song. We're making. We're looking for you know maybe an opportunity to kind of get some some uh some music into the podcast so if you're out there listening and you have any ideas for us in regards to a theme song i know that uh doug lay maurice and his pals over at the uh buckeye talk podcast they they were given and gifted a theme song for their podcast from a uh, gentleman in nashville so if there's anybody out there that wants to gift us the theme song wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute certainly do that Aren't you a musician? I am, but you know, so, I don't have. You want you don't want me to. You don't want me seeing the theme song for this. Why not? Podcast. I think that'd be perfect. What am I gonna like? <laughs> I don't like my music and basketball doesn't really like coexist. Like, <laughs> I, I feel like it, basketball has more of a um, more of an upbeat, up tempo like. You could do rock and roll. You could do hip hop. You could do like electro music. Yeah, I don't, I don't think people need like crooning for uh, for a basketball podcast. But maybe I could come up with something, and I am going to play around with it. But yes. we are certainly looking to uh, we are certainly looking to do that. I was mentioning to Chris earlier that uh, one of my favorite things is the uh, one of the, the the old NBC theme song for the oh NBA. yeah. Who was that? John Tesh. I think that was John I Tesh. So, yeah. Yeah, that that one, right? Yes, that's the one. Yep. And Dave wanted us to sing it, but I Chris so Chris just did. That was perfect. Well, why don't you, in your own pruning way, create your own lyrics to that? Well, okay, but we also talked about the Ask Jeff Thomas section on Baskin and Phelps. Where he does the ba 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 basketball, give me, give me, give me the ball, cause I'm gonna dunk it. <laughs> I, could, I could do my own, yeah, I could do my own version of that. <laughs> yes, you can, and do it All in right. the the version of Michael Bublé. It'd be okay. perfect. Perfect. All right, we'll work on that for next week. I have nothing. No, I'm just kidding. I do have other <laughs> things to do, but but in my free time, I really don't have anything else to do. So I'll 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 work on that for us. How about do that? you write your own music? I have, and okay. I haven't ever felt the push to put it out there because i don't i'm not comfortable with it yet if that makes any sense well this could be your debut this this is the time douglas douglas maurice wrote a um wrote lyrics for a song that i did for a clue.com a while ago i think it was like of course he did the 12 days of 12 days of calvesmas or something do you remember really i don't remember that at all that was when i when i when i started back in 2014 15 2016 somewhere around there so yeah it was it was interesting to say the least maybe we can pull that up in the next podcast too 
All right, Chris, well, in the meantime, it's certainly not surprising that um, of all the people that would write that particular song, it was yeah, Doug Lambert. Correct. correct, correct. In the meantime, I hope you get your uh, prime rib. I hope, <laughs> I hope oh, you can. Buddy, I hope I do too. Fine, well, I'll, I'll look it up for you, see if we can, can get you something. Uh, maybe it doesn't even have to be local. Maybe we can send it to you from somewhere else. Dude, anywhere. I'll take it from anywhere at this point in time. All I right. looked up five different places and struck out on all of them. All right, well, I my sister sent my mom this bagels from New York, so I think she's got Ooh. a way to, to send things from around the country. So we'll see if we can't find you a way to get that prime rib. Nice. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Uh, this is the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. Once again, uh, you should subscribe to Subtext. Uh, you can subscribe to Chris's Subtext and my Subtext um, because you want to be a friend of the program and you want to get your questions in to Chris and myself. So be sure to sign up for Subtext 14-day free trial, and uh, I will get you the number here in one second. The number for Chris is 216-208-4499. And one more time, you can go to joinsubtext.com slash insider. We will talk to you later, at least if not later this week, we will talk to you on Monday. Take care, everybody.